Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. And what's the first brand in your life, Al, that had an impact on you? I think it was Ford. There used to be this thing where your father was a, a Ford man or a Chevy man, right? And I don't ever really hear that too much anymore. Um, and dad was a Ford man. And, uh, and so we always had Fords. And, and so you'd be driving down the highway and I was just a, just a little dude, right? I'm just a little guy. And I'd see, I'd see Fords and I'd think, okay, so they're with us. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. On this special Thanksgiving episode of the CMO Podcast, I am speaking today with Al Jensen, the EVP of Sales and Marketing at Butterball, the iconic turkey brand and the largest purveyor of turkey products in the United States. This is, of course, Butterball's busiest time of the year, and we are thankful that Al is carving out some time to talk turkey with us today. Al has perhaps the largest scope of any head of marketing or sales that I have met. He looks over product research and development, integrated business strategy, marketing, customer service, and sales in food service, retail, and export channels. Wow. My guest has worked at the data firm Agrometrics, Purdue Farms, and for the last six and a half years, Butterball. You are about to gobble up a heaping helping of knowledge, inspiration, and fun, and even a surprise or two. This is my conversation with Al Jansen. Al, welcome to the CMO Podcast. I can't thank you enough for joining us in the most busy season in your category. So thank you for taking a moment to be with us today. And for our listeners, we're recording this just before Thanksgiving. So Al, we have to start with this. What is your favorite family tradition at Thanksgiving time? Oh, wow. Uh, it would... Family, I boy, I got to start with just if you can get everybody there, right? Uh, as I've gotten older, my two kids are gone. Uh, you know, they're they're grown up. Uh, one of them's married. They're both you know, uh, one's in Virginia, one's down in Florida. My sisters are scattered all over the East Coast. Mom lives five hours away. If you can, you know, what percentage of them can you just get there, right? That's that's the that's the good stuff. If you could just get some amount of them, if you get them all there, that's the real good stuff. Yeah, I'm getting all my kids are here this year, so we're very blessed. No one else. We're keeping it small, which I'm sure is a trend in your category. The turkeys are probably smaller this year, but but everyone's together, and uh, and we like to throw the football around. That's kind of our tradition. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, the turkeys uh, are a little bit. Um, you know, I've gotten that question a lot this season. Um, and it's driven by, 
logical assumption that if there are going to be more family-only celebrations, and our our panel data tells us probably 30% are going to be family-only uh, celebrations against 18%, you know, kind of trend line, uh, you would think that would infer smaller turkeys. What are patterns from our customers, right? I, I know you know this, but yeah, we, we talk about consumers and customers and our customers, the, the grocers, uh, they ordered a little bit more of the smaller birds than in past years. Not crazy amounts, uh, not a wholesale shift, but I would even say it's inertial. Uh, over the last two, three years, we've seen maybe a trend to a slight trend to smaller birds, but nothing crazy. Uh, uh, amazingly, 90% of respondents said they were celebrating Thanksgiving this year, which that's great. It, it, it is great. Every, everything uh, this whole country's been through, I think everybody kind of needed some Thanksgiving, needed to have all their kids in and throw the football around a little bit, a uh, little a little piece of normal celebration, right? Just some, just some normal American celebration. It's uh, it's been needed. We need a few days of gratitude. That's what my kids are talking about. So we're really looking forward to it. Tell me what? How do you prepare? What's your favorite method of preparation for your turkey, your butterball at Thanksgiving? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I like to smoke it. Uh, I have a Weber kettle grill. And, you know, just a simple $88 Weber kettle grill. And about every 15 years, I have to throw one away and get another one. Uh, but you spatchcock it. So you take the turkey and you cut the back out so it lays out butterfly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be helpful to put a piece of foil over uh, the, the thighs, a little, or right underneath the thighs. You put it kind of offset from the the coals and whatever you want to smoke it with. And it's just pretty as a picture when you get done with it. And it's, you know, depending on what you use to smoke, it's got that great flavor to it. Now I say that, but I say that Jim, there's a number of folks that are going to see this, hear this and say, Al, deep fried turkey is the best way to do it. And and it's spectacular. And I don't, you know, I don't want to go against uh, all my friends who are going to rib me about this, but, uh, uh, I like to smoke it. We'll have to try that. We have fried and we do roast, uh, and the frying is a bit messy, but it is good. First time I did it, I fried one. I forgot about displacement. I'm an economics major, not a, not a physics major, I guess. And, uh, uh, yeah, I had oil everywhere. I've, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite side dish? Oh, stuffing. Okay, we're going to talk more about stuffing later. Now, Al, when I told my wife I was recording a podcast with the head of sales and marketing for Butterball, she went crazy. So she wants to be a part of this. Okay. So one of our first questions is going to be from my wife. Her name is Kathleen. So I'm going to cut her into this podcast for one of the first questions. Here's my right. wife. Hi, I'm Kathleen Stengel. And I love to cook and I love to bake. So Thanksgiving is my, my day. So anyway, growing up, we always used Butterball. And we'd have like about a 26-pound turkey because we had a big family. And we were also allowed to have friends come over. So it was a massive group that would come. 
Anyway, I think it's really amazing that you have the Turkey Talk line to help with those cooks that especially have never touched a bird in their life. And what do you, what do they say to people that um, are, you know, cooking for the first time, they've just gone the night before, they have this 20 pound frozen turkey and their in-laws are coming in two hours. What's the solution to that? I mean, that's kind of a mess. Well, I, uh, I don't know that, they, that there's much you can do with a frozen turkey the night before. <laughs> what, I, what I hope you don't do is you, you don't put it in a fryer. I can tell you that. That would be a pretty bad idea. Uh, you know, that talk line is such an integral part of the brand story right, uh, of what makes Butterball, that it was so great to hear that she she connects with the, the Butterball Turkey Talk line. And that's part of her Butterball and Thanksgiving experiences, that Turkey Talk line. Uh, I would even say, uh, if that's the case, that it, you, night before you got a frozen turkey, uh, you're going to go down and talk to your meat manager and you're going to beg and plead for something fresh. <laughs> that would that would be my advice back to her. That was my wife. Here's my opening question. From November 1st to December 24th, what the heck is life like at the Butterball Company? And how is that two months for you different from the rest of the year? Mm-hmm. It's actually more different for our folks in operation than anybody else because they have to uh, get the orders, pull the inventory, put trucks on them, get them shipped to the grocers. Uh, and our team in the plants then shifts over from making frozen whole birds to making fresh whole birds, which means we're running seven days a week and we're going like crazy. And those people are awesome because they're, they're coming in and they're working in that plant seven straight days. Go, 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 go. And you go like heck. And that's why there's not a lot of fresh turkeys out there for Thanksgiving because they're fresh, right? They're perishable mm -hmm. and uh, you've got a shelf life on them. For us, it's on the sales and marketing side. Uh, for the marketing side, it's making sure that you've got all your activations going on, all the earned media stuff, interviews like this, um, and as well as the talk line does a lot of interviews. We a lot of local TV, Today Show, things like that. From the sales side, you're chasing orders, right? Uh, the season's going well, and you're getting more orders, add-ons, right, as we call them. Uh, the season's not going well, and you've got customers who are wondering what's going on. Uh, moving stuff, it's all logistics and supply chain for that period of time from the sales standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So your work itself, it's mostly, it's, it's a surge in marketing and the publicity and, and so on and so forth. But the real, the real tension and the real stress is on the supply chain. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, I, I, I love to say this. There's 7,000 people that work for this company. Uh, there's 600 plus grower families that grow turkeys for us. I could tell you how many farmers grow corn, soybeans for us, uh, hundreds of communities that support us. They're the ones that really make Thanksgiving happen. I, you know, at some point in time, I'll get to this point, maybe now, part of the brand, part of that Thanksgiving Butterball connection. Uh, we we work a lot on trust and trustworthy. 
Well, trustworthy starts when you open the package and that bird's got to look perfect. It's got to look beautiful. And the next step is when it comes out of the oven, it's got to look beautiful. And Butterball didn't let you down all the way through the process. That's uh, uh, that's really what we're all trying to do, not, not just sales and marketing and all the folks that work with me, but all the rest of those folks I just mentioned to you. It's it's a brand and it's a product, but where we score it trustworthy with consumers, it's about all the rest of those folks making that whole thing happen. So that moment when you open that bag, that bird has got to look beautiful. Well, since you took us there, Al, I, I do want to talk about culture and brand purpose. And, and let's just do that now. You know, your brand is a some say it's an 80-year-old brand, some say it's a 60-year-old brand, but it's a, it's an iconic brand. It's a big brand. It's a beloved brand with customers. I know that from my family experience. So w- when you think about purpose, and you've just been talking about it really in your own words, how do you think about that at Butterball? I mean, when you talk about mm-hmm. your purpose for your customers, your consumers, what language do you mm-hmm. use? You know, how do you describe it? If I walk through your plant, how would they talk about it? You know, how would people in your marketing and sales team talk about it? So click a little bit deeper into that whole concept of, you know, making a difference in people's lives through your purpose. It's uh, more than probably a lot of industries. Agriculture requires a team. It really does. Uh, it, the planning process to make this happen starts, you know, we say generally a year but I could argue to you three years ago, we started planning for this Thanksgiving uh, and how many turkeys and how and what growers are going to get what turkeys to baby turkeys, poults as we call them, when and when are we going to place them and how often uh, growing them all up, working with uh, grain merchants, grain growers, the farmers. Uh, I mean, that all starts way in advance. And that's all this planning that's very team oriented. Um, and because it's so, it's so imprecise, at, at some point, God's really in charge of a lot of what we're doing in agriculture, right? Every turkey's going to grow at a different rate. They're going to be different shapes and sizes. And, you know, the modern agriculture is awesome, but God gets to, you know, have his say in all of this. And so you got to be a team. I, as a matter of fact, I dropped off our executive SNOP supply and ops planning meeting to come on here and talk with you. I'm the head of sales and marketing, but I'm in a big supply chain and operations planning meeting every month because we all have to know what's going on and we, it doesn't work perfectly. And so you've got to be a team. You've, and you, because you've got to be a team, your ability to be a fit on the team is probably the most important thing you bring to Butterball. Uh, it's not the only important thing, but it's probably the most important thing. Uh, you know, the old expression that culture eats strategy is kind of, if you give us a good team, given the demands of this business, I'll take the good team. And by the way, I got a great team. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about you know, these feelings you're sharing about, it's a team, it's, it's uh, you know, God's in control of a lot of this. What, what, what's, 
Tell me, tell me more about what's special about this culture. Because, you know, how have you built this with your, you talk about trust and trustworthiness. How do you keep that going with all of your people day in and day out so that they're keeping mm -hmm. your purpose front and center? You're making decisions on that. And that's, you know, because, you know, you can never be complacent about those. You know that as well as anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, when the pandemic began, it became a, a struggle for all of us to, okay, so we're not going to not adapt, right? We're going to adapt. So how are we going, how are we going to adapt? And so some of the things that were different, I can remember some early communications to customers and internally to our team that I would end all those with, we'll get through this together, comma, together. Uh, that's the key. Everybody has to understand who's on the team that we have to be together and uh, because there's so many variables in what we do. Uh, you know, we don't just go out and buy some raw material, schedule a production line somewhere in the middle of the country to run for, you know, two months straight running one SKU. That's, that's not our game. Uh, everything's going to change every day. Uh, and so I can remember early in my career, uh, the meat industry protein was uh, much more kind of industrial age management style, uh, very directive from the top. Uh, and as the world, you know, as management philosophies and styles changed, we were a little bit behind. And I would say really it wasn't until the early 2000s where we really embraced team culture I think we've grown as a company over the last five, six years as well um, in integrated planning, uh, working to develop people and develop teams, doing things much more in a team uh, atmosphere and an integrated atmosphere as well. It's well said. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. Hey, I want to talk a little bit more about um, your work as the EVP of sales and marketing. Uh, you've been at Butterball about six and a half years. You've been promoted from what I can see three times, and you've had the top marketing and sales job since August 2020. You had the head of sales before that marketing added to it in August. So tell me, what was your team's thinking or the company's thinking to put sales and marketing under one leader? What was the rationale behind that? What was the thinking? It's an issue a lot of people struggle with. Well, Should we put them together or keep them apart? We're not that big a company that uh, we don't all know each other, right? And the, t we, the thinking was get more integration between the marketing, sales, and biz dev teams uh, because there's, there, again, I go back to the dynamics of this business are constantly changing. Uh, one, and two, when you get that team, particularly if we can get uh, great insights from the marketing team, great thought from the marketing team, contributing much more in an integrated fashion with the folks who are 
out with the customers, doing the biz dev work, uh, it, the returns are just going to be a lot better. And I think purposefully, you're going to feel you're, human beings are social creatures for the most part, right? And and they get juice off of being not just being with one another, but experiencing with one another. Even if it's a small thing, it's just trying to solve a problem as a group, right? People get juice from that. Uh, and I know that if we put some of the smart people we have in our marketing team and some of the smart people we have on the sales team, watch them go, right? They don't, they don't need Al to do anything else but say, hey, here's, you know, we got a thing here. What do you guys think? They're, they know how to do marketing better than I do and they know how to sell better than I do. So let them, let them do their thing and they'll get, like I said before, they'll get real juice from that shared experience with each other. Yeah, that's certainly been my experience. You know, integrated teams, working close to sales, working close to R&D, working close to supply chain. There's nothing like it. And that's what the great brands do. Well, I work closer with R&D than you think I do. Uh, my wife is the runs R&D at Butterball. Uh, ah, so, okay. There's a wrinkle. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's a... Uh, she... Uh, She's a lot smarter than I am as well, by the way. There's a lot of people apparently smarter than I am. But, uh, you know, I listen to what she says. So that way I can sound like I know what I'm talking about in, in food science, right? I can I can pick up all these food science-y terms and drop them in. And it makes me look like I know more than what I actually do know. So how much do you two talk about business at home? I guess it's a, especially during COVID, everything's blended together. But how do you how do you integrate or how do you keep it separate? Uh, great question. Um, and I, I get that a lot. I'm not going to tell you that we I don't know what the perfect way is to do it. Maybe that's a good place to start. I don't know what perfect is. Uh, the fact that it doesn't interfere in our marriage probably is perfect. Right. Or at least the how, you know, at least you're getting something done right. Uh, I, I think people would be surprised at how little we talk about work with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, if something's bothering one or the other, I mean, we're, she's my partner. I'm, I'm her partner. Of course, we're going to talk about that. But I think people would be surprised at how little just normal, you know, turn the lights on kind of stuff, you know, to make the, the, the shop run. I, we don't talk about it that much. Yeah. When you look at your marketing at Butterball, what do you think is your special ingredient, your special sauce? What are you really, really good at? And what's a capability that you're trying to be much better at? Mm. Uh, boy, we're really good with whole birds and Thanksgiving. Man, uh, I have not seen anything like it in my career. Uh, now, uh, there's so much inertia behind this, right? The, the earned media, right, is... They're, you know, you're, you're helping them uh, to a certain extent. Uh, that really helps. Uh, the, the infrastructure around all of it with the turkey talk line, uh, it, it's just, it's, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, and, they, and they activate it and execute it really well. I, you know, I talked a lot about the operations and how well they do it. Our marketing team and their agency partners, it's, uh, wow, it's a well-oiled machine. 
right? We have a theme every year. The theme ties back to our strategy and or dovetails against something culturally that's going on. Uh, they really uh, execute because you know getting that kind of uh, agency execution integrated with your company. That's that's when your agency shines, right? And the relationships that you have between the two, that's where they really shine. They really know how to do that. Uh, what we are getting better at is every day. Okay, so you guys killed it on Thanksgiving. Not a lot of news there, right? Getting better every day uh, with every day turkey, every day needs of the consumer. I got here... June of 14. And what I got here, I came from a competitor, different protein, but a competitor. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I always remember going to the meat case wondering, why isn't Butterball bigger in the fresh meat case? And, I, and so I got here and I started understanding why. Uh, and so we've been pushing out more to be more and more of your everyday turkey brand. Ground turkey, turkey bacon, turkey burgers, these these types mm-hmm. of things, um, which, you know, some of those items had been there already. We just needed to be bigger in them, right? For our brand, our awareness and salience metrics and all the rest of that kind of technical stuff. Wow, this stuff should be bigger than what it is. And so we've spent a lot of time doing that and growing those categories and becoming a part of that meal every day and and extending that trustworthy uh, attribute to every day. And so we've been spending a lot of time from the marketing side, you know, supporting that, backing that and making that happen. Can you talk a bit more about that, Al? Because I think you're such an interesting brand, right? Two days of the year, Christmas and Thanksgiving, you're on lots of tables. So the other 363 days, you're trying to build your brand better and build consumption of different products and so on. So many brands also deal with that issue, right? Almost mm-hmm. every brand has some seasonality or some peak. So it would be really interesting to see what you're trying to get better at that. But what sort of capabilities are you building? What's your learning been mm-hmm. in building consumption and demand for this great brand you have and the other 363 days? Yeah, the the question you're asking is, don't let your strength be your weakness, right? If if Thanksgiving's your gig, don't let that keep yeah. you from, from executing the rest of the year. And uh, we had a, a couple of things we had to get over culturally, uh, quite frankly. Uh, we had been run uh, pretty tight. Uh, if you know, we, we needed to step out, put our neck out and say, we're going to invest in this. This makes a lot of sense. We're going to invest in this and we're going to take this risk. Uh, and we had uh, changed CEOs. Uh, and uh, actually that change, Carrie, Carrie Dowdy had uh, became the CEO. And actually Carrie brought me and Carrie and I knew each other from a previous life. Uh, and he asked me to come down here and, and join this team. Uh, and by the way, living in North Carolina is pretty nice, pretty nice yeah, place is. to live. Yeah, I love North Carolina. Uh, and Carrie culturally started changing that. Carrie, you know, Carrie came from sales. He came up through the company through sales. Uh, 
and you know, salespeople are hunters and farmers, right? And Carrie, all hunter, right? Not a not a farmer in them, all all hunter. And that really helped me because Carrie would take the risk with me, right? If you lay out the plan, that you, you sit down with the team, and oh, by the way, ownership, and you say, look, we've got this brand, we've got this imagery. Uh, customers love us too, right? Not just the consumers, but customers love us too. We really think we this is investable right here. So this is what we want to, and we had to get over that hump, right? That I got to tell you, that was the first hump. Second cultural hump we had to get over was don't be too perfect. Go, don't, I don't need, uh, uh, I don't need the pro forma for customer X or customer Y to be absolutely perfect and clear and absolutely perfect ROS hurdle. We're on a bigger mission here. Now, I'm not saying we're not going to go out and lose money here, but we're on a mission here. We've got to go out and grow this brand every day. And it was really focused around trade pack. And we called it Maine to Miami was was the thing. And it was sales. It was operations and supply chain. It was marketing. We were all on this journey that we wanted to be the number one brand of ground turkey, Maine to Miami. That's step one. Uh, and that was, uh, it, it took uh, getting the sales team to take that leap of aggressiveness. We're on a shared mission here together and we've got your back. We went through a journey. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that this was a fairy tale ride. We went on a journey, uh, a number of bumps in the road. We persevered, which is probably the first thing you have to have when you go on a journey like this is, will you persevere? We persevered. Uh, we persevered. Operations persevered. The sales team persevered. Got the customers through the bumps in the road that we'd had. Uh, and you know there was there. You do that because you you're confident there's a day out there for you. And that day, you know, you're not going to hit it perfect, but there's a day out there. And if you just keep going. And if we just keep learning from what, you know, what did you just learn from this and you're committed to each other to do it, you'll, you'll get there. And we did. Yeah, fantastic story. Tell me, you, you referenced the theme. Your team works a theme every year for Thanksgiving and executes the heck out of it. What is the theme this year? Celebrate the good. Oh, nice. So, so all kinds of good is, is pretty much our thematic platform across the brand. So celebrate the good. And I, you know, I, I think that just kind of says it all. Beautiful. Now you, you work with an agency on this. Is it a long-term relationship, the agency and your team? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It started, it started when there was only two letters in the name and now there's five or six letters. If an ampersand is a letter, right? right? <laughs> there's, there's six it's usually characters. usually a sign of growth, right? Six characters. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to switch to a topic about uh, brand experience. You know, this is the buzzword of the day, right? Think beyond your product. Think about your brand experience. Butterball got this decades ago. You, you came out with this so-called turkey talk line in 1981. There were six home economists with a 
uh, you know, an 800 number mm -hmm. helping people out. Now you have lots and lots of people helping with that. You're, you're taking lots and lots of texts and calls and all sorts of communication. It's such an important part of your brand. And, and everyone I know who have called it have had a marvelous experience. So I'd like you to walk us through a bit about what have you learned in the four decades since starting the Turkey Talk line about the mindset and the culture moving from a product, I mean, you sell turkeys and turkey mm -hmm. products, to this incredible service mentality, this incredible sense of generosity and hospitality. So tell us about what you've learned in that journey. Uh, boy, that, that trustworthy is a great place to be if you're a food product. Uh, it's uh, Now, look, if you're going to say you're trustworthy, boy, you're, you're stepping into right, the, the arena at that point. Uh, there's 100,000 phone calls that talk line will take. 100,000. Uh, there'll be 4 million hits to any of our channeling right uh, around helping folks that and i think that's somewhat at the core of what you're asking me around the experience that's a no doubt that's how they're experiencing the brand uh, one of the discussions conversations uh that we've been having here lately has been your the your company is your brand and your brand is your company uh mindset uh and and it applies in different categories differently. In food, right, there's a, a whole shift in the consumer's attitude towards food and eating over, uh, pick your time frame, I'll say 10 years. It went from, uh, whenever the Adkins diet started, right, I'm eating to lose weight. I'm eating for health benefits, right? And then it is migrated to I'm eating as part of my lifestyle. Right. I'm a, I, uh, I like food that's locally sourced. I like superfoods. I'm a vegan. I'm a seafood only. I love to cook. I'm a, you know, I'm adventurous in my cooking and this is part of who I am. And this is how I connect to the food is this is part of who I am. And that's, that's part of the experience too. Right. And you've got to be there as a brand to, be part of that experience for them as well. So how do you, and, and thankfully, you know, the, the, the digital world these days helps you find them, right? How can I help that consumer, who, it, it, whether it's somebody who's adventurous with their food or somebody has dietary need, or maybe somebody who's just a little intimidated by the preparation process, Thanksgiving or otherwise, the, the digital world provides now this you don't have to go out and carpet bomb anymore, right? You can you can throw a dart and try to connect with them that way, and and that would be a more meaning, much more meaningful relationship for both. If I wanted to apply tomorrow to join your Turkey Talk Line team, you're hired. <laughs> no, I'm not so sure you want that. Oh no, I wasn't going to put you on the talk line. I wouldn't put you on the talk line. <laughs> well, if I wanted to work in the talk line, what sorts of things would you be looking for for that candidate? Culinary, food science, home economist skills, right? You're, uh, and so that's the technical side, right? I mean, that's easy, that's the easy part of the question. The tough part of the question is, you're going to hear it all, baby, right? I mean, <laughs> you, 
you're going to get a lot of questions and they're not, and they're people earnestly calling you with a problem and, and they're going to be frustrated, no doubt, particularly if it's a young, we call them the host, right? So if it's a young host, I've not done this before. I got a lot of family here, but maybe my mother-in-law's here. I'm feeling a lot of pressure. I'm frustrated. I need help. Right. And you know, it's, not they're not going to be probably the most graceful person on the phone to talk to sometimes they're going to be frustrated and first thing you have to do is i'd say jim can you understand people when they're going to be frustrated in this uh and then can you get them past the frustration and can you get them to calmly step through the process or whatever their problem is together uh that's a you know that's one of the the challenges we have every generation Right is take the next generation and help them become hosts. Right, so the the boomers, heck, they're coming out of the hosting role to a great extent, right? Or they're, or they're probably trying to a little bit. Uh, the the Xers, me, which by the way I always say that, but I'm a Gen Xer by three months, almost to the day. Right, you're in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, oh no, I'm comfortably in the middle. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but now it's millennials, right? How do we help transition the millennial into the hosting role? Because I understand how people can think it's uh, daunting to do, particularly if you haven't done it before, because it's not just cooking a turkey, right? You're making the sides. You're missing being with everybody else who's there, having a great time. And then there's a daggone mess, right, at the end that you have to deal with as well. As a matter of fact, one of the... Uh, one of our, our uh, customers, they actually did a promotion last year, somewhat similar to this year, where it wasn't buy a bunch of food and get a butterball turkey free. It was a mostly cleaning products. Hmm. And actually, it was, it was from your old employer, as a matter of fact. I believe B&G. it was a, yeah, it was a P&G. Yeah. Uh, but it, so anyway, so if you, if, once you get through the technical part, which I'm sure you're going to ace that, I mean, you're, you're an easy guy to talk to. I think you'd do pretty good. Uh, talking to these folks. Maybe we can do this offline. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you've used this word uh, trust several times in our conversation so far, and certainly your talk line uh, associates are full of trust. Tell us a little bit more about how you, how you embed that in your culture. How do you talk about that? Who do you admire in terms of other brands or businesses that build trust. It's a, it's a big word. It's a big concept. Ooh. Every brand seeks to have trust. And I just, what, what have you learned about that? How do you do it? Who do you benchmark? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, you could fill a library up with uh, folks who've tried to address that. Um, Boy, you got to keep your promises. I mean, that's that's the on the interpersonal and team side. You you've got to you've got to keep your promises. Um, and some and look, the, the companies, corporations, and everything that folks do, CMOs are involved in. There's a lot going on. Uh, I'd I mentioned perception before. You could feel like you are keeping your promise to me, but I could perceive it as not. How do you get past that, right? One, how do you, how do you give that some sunlight, and then how do you, how do you move past that? That's, uh, 
you know, it's always uh, better to think that uh, I've said these words to you. So, Jim, what I'm hearing you say is X, Y, Z. And you shake your head like that. Okay, now we're, now we're getting somewhere. But until you say that, then you don't know right, how uh, each other perceives each other. And I don't, it, it, so it's tough to understand the trust if you don't know that, you, that the other person is really feeding back to you uh, in that way. Um, now, from brands, yeah, there's some brand, there's brands I absolutely have uh, trust in. I've been a loyal Toyota customer, and I trust them because they keep their promises. The the, the Toyotas just keep their promises. Um, love them. I, I mean, they're, they're, because I love the reliability. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can always get a car with more features than a Toyota. Always, uh, you can get a flashier looking. I I, I drive a, a pickup truck. I, I drive a Tundra. Um, you can buy flashier cars, trucks, whatever. Um, I I trust that Toyota. I, Toyotas don't go less than a hundred thousand miles for me. They never go to the shop. They I trust them. There, there's a little commercial for for Toyota. No, we're a Toyota family too, and especially my wife, because it's how she's treated. She's treated very well, and and uh, I I think they're an amazing company. That's a good segue into uh, my favorite part of these interviews, and that's sort of the random round at the end where I ask you a lot of silly questions and some meaningful ones, and we, we see where it goes. So I want to do that right now because it's going to be really interesting with you. And I want to bring my wife, Kathleen, back into the conversation because she has she had lots of questions for you. I, I feel so honored. I, I can't tell you how this is an awesome responsibility I've got here. So I hope I do you proud. She is really into cooking and baking. She always has been. She loves to work with her hands. She does sewing. She does artwork. But she's a fabulous cook. In fact, she's experimenting with something tonight, which we're about to enjoy. Your sister's coming over. So I'm going to tee her up for for her next question. So here you go. Here's Kathleen. Why do you still put the giblet bag in that turkey? Because most people don't even know what the heck a gizzard is. And that neck is pretty scary. And I think it ends up mostly getting tossed out. Technical question here. Oh, yeah. Should I have her call the turkey talk line? No, I, I, I can handle it. Kathleen, I, I've, I'm good here. Uh, yeah, I, heck, at least half the folks throw them away. But the other half of the folks, they're obviously they use them for stuffing and for gravies and stuff. Like, and boy, if we didn't put them in there, the talk line's going to light up that day uh, for sure. That's, that's why. Uh, it's for the folks that do use them for dressings, stuffings, and, and other side dishes like that. And, and a lot of people do. So you've worked about 22 years in the poultry business. What would you be doing, Al, if that had not been an option? You know, I, I, uh, I loved business. I, I, I would be doing this in some other industry. I would. I, I loved business uh, since I was a kid. I did. I, I do enjoy business. Um, and I, I, I asked myself that question too. Someday, right. I'm not going to do this till I'm a hundred. Um, and that's one of the questions I, I have for myself because I, 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 what will I do when I'm not doing this? Right. Would 
is kind of the flip side of the same question. Mm-hmm. Something certainly uh, more purposeful, um, although I view, as you probably could tell, I view what I do, right? There's, I'll go back. There's all those people, all those stakeholders that rely on me showing up every day, doing my best, right? They, they rely on me to do my best. So I, I do believe there's purpose in that. But, um, yeah, I, I wonder what I'm going to do, you know, after, after I hang him up from, from doing this. Uh, but I would be working for some other company doing something similar for sure. Well, I do agree. You you work for a brand or with a brand or with a team that has a great sense of purpose. It makes a big difference in people's lives, not just two days a year, but around the, as you talked about earlier, uh, around the entire year with your team and with your customers and with your consumers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't come together as families much anymore. And, and Thanksgiving is that holiday where there's nothing else but gratitude and family. And I think that's why it's so beautiful. Yeah. Gra- gratitude such a great word and it, it connects so well with Thanksgiving. You know, I'm, I'm going to have a, a, a Zoom call with my kids, right? And that's no good, but it's the, it's the world we're in right now, right? Yeah. It's, so it's going to have to do for this year. And you know what? They're healthy and they're happy. And so if I can get healthy and happy, but I have to look at them on a TV or a computer screen for Thanksgiving, I'd be grateful for that. Now, tell me how you're married to an R&D scientist who's running R&D at Butterball. How did you two meet? Uh, we met at, uh, I, before I was here, I worked at Purdue Farms, the chip company, and uh, we, we met there. Um, Office and, romance. Yeah, well, actually, it was, uh, yeah, we met... Um, I was uh, in sales. I was still carrying the bag, and uh, it was a product for Walmart, and um, and she was the lead R and D person on it. And we were both single, and here we are. I've spent many years, as you know, at P and G. There are lots of P and G couples. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. The story is very similar to that. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She's just uh, really smart. The, the right yin and yang balance of of personalities, uh, the right the same uh, similarities on the right places, uh, but uh, it's it's worked out uh, fine as far as working together because we don't trip over each other too much. Who has been the greatest inspiration in your life? Oh, oh, dad. I, I was just trying to say without getting a couple of tears in my eyes, honestly. Uh, yeah, uh, probably dad. Uh, mom and dad, I mean, you can't be who you are without uh, understanding what your relationship was with mom and dad. It's always one of my interview questions. Uh, you know, by the time somebody comes to me or gets to me for an interview, I'm more interested in tell me about your folks. Tell me about what your folks did. Tell me about your interactions with your folks. I'm giving up some of my surprise interview secrets here, but, uh, and dad was, uh, uh, family dentist, little family dentist in the, in Bel Air in the town I grew up in. Uh, dad, uh, he was, he changed over time. Like a lot of dads us do. Uh, and he became, he, he really valued relationships. And not backslapping two priests and a rabbi walk into a bar, but he really treasured uh, relationships. 
Um, and you could tell when uh, something would happen in a relationship and it, it would hurt dad, right? Um, and then then mom, um, who they, they, they loved each other dearly. I mean, they were uh, fiercely devoted to each other. Mom set real high expectations and she 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 always said that children will do what you expect them to do right <laughs> uh, and so somewhere between the two of them they had a 50 50 impact on me I do value relationships uh, I put a lot of uh, uh, value on good relationships personally professionally um, take care of your relationships put the work in on your relationships um, but having high expectations is very beneficial for you too, because high expectations doesn't mean I want to be a billionaire. High expectations means I want to seek to be the, I don't want to say the best, but I want to seek to have a meaningful level of engagement on whatever this is that you're setting expectations on. So between the two of them, uh, I, I, I can't just, I can't say one, it's got to be 50-50. Both mom and dad. My dad said to me once when I was a teenager and I don't know, you know, trying to find my way, he said, you are defined by who, who you hang out with. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I've never forgotten it. He's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I want to know, is there anything that you're reading these days or listening to or watching that is interesting for our listeners? Anything that's educational, entertaining, inspirational? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I am a big podcast guy. Uh, I, uh, and I'm all like probably most folks, I'm, I'm all over the map. You know, I'll listen to Conan and Brian or, or, uh, Joe Rogan, but, uh, Arthur Brooks is one who I always enjoy listening to, uh, uh, cause he, you know, he has this, he was talking to somebody and talking about our inability as a country to, to come together. And they were talking about, uh, the contempt in our disagreement. Uh, we said very simply, uh, we can't disagree in an agreeable manner, right? And listening to Arthur is always good like that. You get nuggets like that. Um, I am a history buff at, and a music nerd. So, uh, boy, if you want to really nerd out on medieval English history, the History of England podcast is... My, my wife thinks I'm insane, by the way, because I, I will run and listen to the History of England podcast. Um, and then you know any uh, music podcast that gets the actual creators in that tells the story, whether it's the studio musician or the actual uh, uh, musician that that did it. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell and Rick Rubin, the producer, have broken record. That's a pretty good one. Uh, of course, Revisionist History is also a great podcast but i think a lot of folks are have found that one out uh reading i'm reading lots of agency briefs and stuff uh but otherwise i start my day with the new york times online is uh typically how i start my day so how what's the state of creative briefs at your company do they does your team do a good job yeah they they do uh, uh my predecessor who's retiring now bill is uh uh, Bill Klump, who's run been the CMO here for a while, he uh, he is a detail oriented guy in writing briefs, and he has trained and taught them well. Um, they I've, I've been really 
I don't know why I'm surprised, but I'm pleased. I don't know, impressed, maybe that's the word. When you read through these briefs and the other material that go into this process um, and how good a job they do connecting it back to strategy and making sure it all flows. In my experience, and I have a lot of it, that's a strong indicator of a great marketing department. You can look at a lot of things, but when they write a fabulous brief and it's inspiring and tight and clear, you know they're good at thinking. Oh, they are. They, we, for, for small companies, we are. Uh, we get really good talent. Uh, we we kind of punch above our weight class in talent. Uh, and that really makes my life pretty... <laughs> Pretty good, Jim. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, like I said, I sh- I'm not surprised on the quality of the briefs, but I am impressed. I have to ask why. Why do you punch above your weight in talent? What, what is it about what you do? Boy, I'd like to think it was uh, my gravitas and engaging personality, but I think it's got more to do with that yellow butterball oval um, and the ability to be involved in something that has that sort of awareness. Uh, it definitely attracts folks right if it if it just said you know al jansen farms on there we're not getting we're not getting these people this gives them the chance to work on uh, a brand that i mean literally everybody knows um and do some great things with it so i I think that's why al who would you like to hear on the cmo podcast who would be interesting for you uh Jersey Mike's, you know the. I sure do. Yeah. Okay, so Peter Cancro actually is, uh, he heads up. He's a founder, uh, but he's also intimately engaged in the marketing piece, and he is the spokesperson for Jersey Mike's. The journey they've been through with the pandemic, and how they've handled it, and how they have really surmounted a lot of the challenges that they've had, and he's been on TV. Talking about talking about their journey very powerfully. Uh, he's uh, uh, and he's a really uh, thoughtful, interesting guy. It's a great idea. And then uh, the other one, just on the other side of the coin, is uh, I, and I don't know Paul Latham at Costco, but I know his work. Right? I mean, Kirkland Signature is one of the most powerful brands in this country, and Costco in and of itself. You want to talk about loved? Costco and Kirkland Signature score real high on, on loved. Uh, they, they do a really, really good job. Those are both great ideas, Al. Thank you for that. Well, Al, uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking time today. I, I wish you and your family uh, a very, very happy Thanksgiving and a happy holiday season. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking with you, full of lessons and fun and inspiration. So thank you again for being with us today. No, I I really appreciate it. Um, And for everybody who's listening, I wish them all a happy Thanksgiving. I think uh, you nailed it with, let's be grateful we're having Thanksgiving. Let's be grateful if we've got our family there. Let's be grateful for that. If we're talking to our family on the phone or on a computer like this, well, let's be grateful that we get to do that. This won't last forever. We'll, we'll, We'll all get through this. Let's just be grateful we got that family. That was my conversation with Al Jansen. What a great boss this guy would be. The themes in this podcast of teamwork and trust and gratitude and honesty and authenticity and innovation, they were all in there. In fact, when we closed out the podcast, 
one of Al's team members who was listening came on and said, hey, Al, you didn't get one of those answers right. So here's one of his teammates coming in to kind of amend one of his answers after we recorded the podcast. Al, I got to give you a, a three out of four for your talk line answers, though. You what missed miss? the first one. <laughs> What's the first one? The, the uh, thawing the frozen turkey the night before. You can do it. You can do it. How? The cold water bath method. So you take the turkey, oh. put it in the cold water bath, 30 minutes per pound. You can thaw it. Because that is the, like, I think number one or number two question that the talk line gets. That's a demonstration of trust, honesty, authenticity, and teamwork. Which is why Butterball is such a fabulous brand and a fabulous culture. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.